Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the boot camp. Happy birthday to the golden guru of replanting. Excited to see you take another trip around the sun. Yes, thanks. I appreciate it. I'm uh, equally as glad that I've made another trip around the sun, around the calendar, however you want to put it. And Jimbo, I think I was sharing with you, I am uh, I am to the age when I was a youth pastor, and I think all good replanters were youth pastors, right? All good pastors, I think, were youth pastors. And I, I think it's a great training ground. Yep. Nonetheless... I was a youth pastor, first first professional ministry gig, vocational ministry gig. We had a vacancy. We we're calling a guy, and Jimbo, he's a year older than I am right now. And when I was a youth pastor, I was thinking, man, that guy is old. He is ancient. <laughs> and I'm a year younger than he was now. And so uh, I have a lot of different perspectives now, being the age I am and thinking about my age. But I, I really do. I am getting old, Jimbo. I hurt myself sleeping and I don't know how. And I wake up in the morning and I'm tired and I'm just, I'm older. I can't, my mind will, my mind says I can do it. My body says not so quick. It, it's true, man. You get older and things change. What's the old country song? Uh, not old country song, but I'm not, not as good as I once was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was once good as I ever was or something like that. I can't remember exactly the way it's worded, but yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And I get it, man. I am not into the decades that you are yet, but I'm already starting to feel it, man, in, in certain ways. I'm already starting to see myself feel some of those things that come. I'm, I'm, I'm over, I'm, depending on how you define it. So my, my dad told me recently that apparently no males in our family line have ever made it to 70. And so I'm technically over the hill. If 70s is as far as I'm going to go. Halftime. You're at halftime, huh? Oh, you're past halftime. Yeah. Third, third I'm quarter. Past, I'm past halftime. I'm in the, I'm in the third quarter. So, uh, no, my, my, so not to carry this introduction out too far. My wife recently suggested a book to me. She goes, Hey, I've heard good things about this book. It sounds like something you may would like. You need to check it out. It's called The Gun Lap. And so, I was like, okay, it's on Audible. I just finished another book on Audible. So I started it out listening to it as an audio book while I do my walk. And as I'm listening to it, it is a book designed to help you in your final chapters of life. And so, so I asked my wife, I said, how, how old do you think I am? Like, <laughs> Wait, did you recently buy a life insurance policy, Jimbo? <laughs> so, hey, you know, you're at the age now, Bob. I'm going to read the book. It's pretty good. Uh, you might okay. ought to consider it. Gun lap. You might, you might ought to check it out. It's uh, it's for people that other people consider old. Well, thanks, Jimbo. That's, that throws me back to my eighth grade years. And I'm looking at I looked it up on Amazon and there's a track uh, on the yep. cover. And when I was in middle school, I was not fast. I'm not super slow, but I wasn't fast. I couldn't run sprints. So they put me on the distance team, and my event was the mile. And, Jimbo, can I just tell you that I hated running the mile, and the gun lap is the last lap, and I'm just, I am just I just got to tell you, I don't want to read the book simply because it has a picture of a track on the front of it. You know what? That's another thing you can do at your age, Bob, is you can just decide you don't want to do things. That's, <laughs> that is right. We went to, When we were in the first season of replanting, 
we were trying to get to know everybody. And so we'd go out to eat lunch and, you know, try to hang out with them. And so we took the oldest ladies, the the ladies who were not married. We said, hey, where do you want to go? And they go, um, we want to go to lunch. Uh, we want to go to Miss Sherry's. Okay, Miss Sherry's. Miss Sherry's was like a buffet, like kind of a Luby's or a old mm-hmm. country buffet or something like that. So mm-hmm. off we go to Miss Sherry's, me, my wife, my two beautiful daughters, and uh, one of the oldest ladies, the oldest lady at the church in the time, she said, well, I'm old and I'm so old that I'm just not going to do whatever. Uh, I'm just only going to do whatever I want to do, and I'm going to say whatever I want to say. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm thinking my mind. I don't think that's biblical somehow, and uh I didn't confront her on it at that time because we had just been, you know, called to the yeah, church. Yeah. Yeah. When you get to a certain age, you're just allowed to do that. Everybody else just lets you, they give you the pass. And so <laughs> yeah. I think it comes, I think it comes with the AARP card. It's, uh, you get, <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but man, I just don't, if you see me pull that pass out, just take it and rip it up. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Well, let's jump in. Uh, Here's what I wanted to talk about uh, for a couple of episodes, Bob, is the importance of balancing the two ideas of being a visionary and a shepherd. Um, There's been a lot of conversations recently, uh, even out in public, of what does it mean to pastor well? And there are some polarizing concepts and ideas on this. And so, one of the things that we see talked about so much in church health or church growth in particular is the idea of being a visionary leader, um, having entrepreneurial aptitude and and being a strong, driven, visionary type guy. And we affirm that when we say that we want people to be a visionary uh, shepherd, but we also think you need to be a shepherd as well. And that there is a very important balance that needs to be found there. And so I thought it would be helpful for us to talk a little bit about, um, for this episode in particular, if somebody were to score higher as a visionary than as a shepherd, and you break those out, um, what are some of the kind of pitfalls to visionary leadership that we have to think through? Uh, I believe both of us uh, scored a little higher on visionary than shepherd. We kind of lean a little more that way than we do shepherd. And so... What are some of the things that you've learned or you think about as if you were coaching somebody who's a high visionary as a pastor, particularly of a replant or revitalization that they want to make sure they're thinking through? Yeah, one of them, I I would say, Jimbo, is that uh, visionaries, pretty much that is the lens they view uh, through, they view life through. And so because of that, uh, they can see an opportunity or a situation or a circumstance and they immediately look at vision. And so mm-hmm. they immediately spout that vision probably. Oh, well, we could do this or this could happen here or I bet, you know, we could solve this problem in, in this way, right? Or or there, here's the worst one. <laughs> there, if, if you've ever worked with or for a visionary, they can be on the stage and have an impulse in that moment where they go, oh my gosh, and they're talking while there's while this thought is occurring in their mind, and they think of a vision right there, and then they announce the vision. So in that yep. way, visionaries can be very impulsive, and mm-hmm. they can just spout something. And having been a staff member or a team member working for that person, I can just I start getting texts immediately from other staff members. <laughs> is this the new direction? Is this where we're going? 
Why didn't yeah. we talk about this in the meeting? When did we decide this, right? Yeah. And so I think that's pretty pretty part and parcel for a visionary. Yeah, I look, I, I, I have struggled with that temptation because as I'm talking out loud, man, an idea that in my mind seems to be maybe the most brilliant thing I've ever thought in my life uh, comes to my mind. And, and at that moment, it feels so brilliant and urgent and effective and important that I feel like I just need to say it out loud right now and let's execute on it before it leaves my mind. And part of that, to be honest, is if I don't say it out loud right now, I may not remember it in 25 minutes. <laughs> Another vision will replace it. <laughs> Another vision will replace it. And if it's that good and that brilliant, I feel like, man, I, we got to get it out. We got to act now. Uh, but one of the things I have learned to try to develop in my own life is is write that down, maybe not during a sermon, um, but but write that down, sit on it for a day or two, pray about it uh, before I, I present it. And then here's one of the other things I realized with that is as I present, I, I think that idea needs to be run through the filter of team uh, some way so that people can give insight into it. But here's what I realized as a high visionary I re- I didn't I honestly did not realize how passionately I always communicate my ideas. Yes. And what what ends up happening is is I will go into a meeting and I'll communicate my idea with such great passion that people feel like oh, I can't really poke holes on that. Look how excited he is about like he's so excited about this that this must be the right thing, or they feel like, I don't know that I could speak as passionately about the questions that I have, or he's going to take it personally, or I might take it personally if, if you question it. But I think, I think it's valuable to take that idea to the team and discuss it and let people poke holes in it and let people ask questions and be willing to get your feelings hurt. If the idea is not liked by everybody and, and let the team kind of group think and all speak into it, pray about it, make sure the Lord's in this, not just some random idea you had, right? Yeah, I, I got in trouble for this one time as an associate pastor. Um, I was working on staff at a large church in the Dallas metro area. And Brett was very passionate about something. We were passionate about a lot of things, right? And so I was I was on one of those speeches that you just described. And I didn't think anything of it. We left staff meeting and went on with our tasks and responsibilities. But our children's pastor went and told our senior pastor, Hey, um, I had a problem with, you know, uh, Bob's energy and his passion and all that. So he was like, well, then you need to talk to Bob. Right. So, so she she came into my office and sat down and explained it to me. And um, I was like, OK, well, huh. I, I didn't understand that. And she she basically said, I felt run over by your your passion and your energy. And I think what you're saying, Jimbo, is really good. If we're if we're young in ministry or if we're particularly passionate we can throttle that back a little bit. And then I would say this, if we could watch, if we could watch out for this, are people in the room buying what I'm selling, so to speak, or is, is there nobody resonating with the vision? Right. Because I think if they're not resonating with it, it means it's probably some, it's probably just you're passionate about that idea. And in your mind, you see that being the idea, but if other people don't get on board with it, then, you know, that's maybe something you should back down on a little bit. Yeah, and I think we have to just be mindful of the uh, we are not supposed to make decisions in uh, isolation, right? That, mm-hmm. 
it, it does need to be a team thing. We've talked about that a lot. But here's the other reason I think when we get so passionate about things, depending on how a guy's wired. Uh, if, so, like, for instance, if you were to use the synergist quiz from Les McEwen that we've referenced many times and somebody's a high visionary but lower on operator, uh, that means they're probably lower on execution which tends to happen a lot of times with some visionaries is they they're very big on ideas. And so they'll pitch out these huge ideas, but execution is not necessarily their strong suit. And so um, one, if you're going to speak that passionately about an idea, make sure that there is an executable plan with steps, primarily make sure that this is the Lord's direction and not just your gut feeling and your visionary brain working. And that was one of the things I had to realize, just going back to that for a second. I had to realize my my brain is going to constantly come up with ideas. Uh, and because I came up with an idea, and it makes sense to me, does not mean that it's what the Lord wanted for that team or organization at the time. So that's one. Make sure it's what the Lord's doing. And then if you even if you do see that that's what the Lord is, and everybody agrees this is a great direction for us to go, um, we can have a tendency as visionaries sometimes to just throw an idea out there like spaghetti on a wall and see if it sticks, but we don't make executable steps uh, with clear follow-up processes and clear on who's accountable for each part of those steps. And, and, and we, and we will probably have lost passion about it by the next time we meet. And so we may not even bring it up to follow back up on and go, Hey, remember last week I like was ready to light the world on fire for this idea. Like, but now I don't even remember what it is. Like we, that's part of why you need to sit on it. It's part of why you need to sit on it. But like, it needs to be something that you're willing to sit with for long enough to execute it, right? And so, what are what are some things you can think of to like make sure that we have execution to these ideas? Yeah, well, I, I think you know you'd mentioned Les McEwen, and I I just encourage guys to go back and and listen to that podcast, and we'll uh, podcast about predictable success. We'll probably link it in our uh, in our show notes. But every visionary needs a, an operator in, in Les's scheme. And an operator is somebody who can, who resonates with the vision, believes in it, and then also can actually put feet to it and make it happen, right? So I think of Nehemiah had kind of both, right? He was a visionary and then he also was a strategic operator. Now he had other people along with him to do those things. But one of the things is he had the vision that the wall needed to be repaired, and then he had a strategy of next steps of how he could do it, right, and how God might be leading him to do it. So I think that's the key is, is we, we've we've been around visionaries that have fanciful ideas to them that sound awesome that we see there is no way in the world it's executable or sustainable or scalable, right? And so I think those are some key words. The first one is executable, right? And that, that implies do we have the resources? Do we have the person power? Do we have the expertise? Do we have the time, um, et cetera, et cetera? But but not only that is it is it um, is it scalable? Can, can, is it sustainable? Is it something that if we start it, we can finish it, right? And and would it outgrow? So I think those are some questions visionaries would would do well to to sit with because execution is not just can we start it or could we take one pass at it. It has to do more with with ongoing ministry because that's the thing is visionaries who lead churches man if they don't if they don't think through this one they can start firing at everything right and and every week there's a vision about this or that so i think that can be very challenging yeah i it's so important to think through some of these things here's here would be the next one i would think of is sometimes because visionaries are driven by big ideas 
And uh, we can end up unintentionally prioritizing uh, progress over people. And so we start to we start to think so much about how do we make sure things are moving forward um, that we can leave kind of a wake of of casualties in the process mm-hmm. for the sake of, of progress. And this is where that balance of shepherd comes in so importantly uh, is is making sure uh, that we are shepherding people as we're leading them towards a vision. Yeah, I used to I used to hear this story um, from time to time. This was a phrase that I used that was used in a church that I served with uh, for a little while, and they said we don't something when something like this. I want to try to see if I remember it right. If not, you'll have to edit this out of the show. <laughs> it goes something like this: we we don't we don't uh, use people to do ministry, we do ministry to get people done, something like that, right? And so this idea was that that we're going to do ministry, and through that there's a sanctifying, maturing work for people and that sort of thing. But in reality, here's what it ended up being, Jimbo. We were, there was a wake of bodies in the aftermath of a vision that the culture was the, the point person or the point people for a particular ministry or a particular, you know, leadership initiative. They have the right vision. Don't question the vision. Let's just all do it. And then what a visionary typically does is if let's say the vision is launched and it wasn't really the, the place you were supposed to go, you should have been, you know, you a lot more thought about execution and resourcing and things like that. A visionary will double down on, let's just do it harder and, and try to mm-hmm. throw more recesses at, resources at it, throw more people at it. And um, it may not be that you should be doing that thing and it may not be the right thing. And if it's not the right thing, God's probably not going to bless it. And so behind that, you'll see a, a high casualty rate and a high dropout rate. And that's, I think one of the signs you probably need to think about, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I think that um, the, the people aspect there is critical. And I'll just go back to something I said earlier if the people aren't resonating with your vision and if nobody has identified the challenges of implementing that vision, you probably haven't done all of the work that you need to do in, in maturing that and confirming that. Yeah. The way I've heard it is, are you using people to build great programs or are you using programs to build great people? Okay. Um, that same kind of thinking. Yeah. And so yes. just know that you're going to have to lead, just know that you're going to have to lead change at a slower pace than you're going to like. Like I can just about guarantee you, if you're a high visionary, you really don't need to lead at the pace that you want to lead. Uh, yes. It needs to be a slower pace. Like you, you need to think about how fast you want to go and you have to dial it back uh, as a visionary because high probability of it, especially in a replant or revitalization is you are not leading a bunch of other visionaries. Uh, yeah. you're, you're leading people who are more process minded, synergist minded. And, and so you you have to lead at a slower pace than you want. Um, and, and there can become a little bit of adrenaline rush of like running as fast as you want as a visionary. And so make sure you're not serving that adrenaline rush and you're serving the Lord and that congregation. Part of that is visionaries can get bored sometimes uh, if if things do go slow. And so longevity can be an issue for visionaries. 
um, especially in a replant or revitalization where the pace moves slower necessarily. I can promise you, listen to me, if you're a visionary listening to this, you have to go slower than you want. If you're not going slow enough that it's painfully slow to you, then you're going too fast for the people in your church, most likely. Uh, And be careful of the temptation to assume that your boredom means that God is calling you to something else. Yeah, that's that's really key. Uh, visionaries are usually fast movers, and they're also um, they can suffer from ADD. Right? They can get they can be enamored with a vision for a, a season, and then if they hit a hardship or, or the thing stalls a little bit, doesn't mean it was the wrong vision. Just it's part of leading change, right? And and sometimes a vision drags a little bit, and you have to re envision the people and clarify it and adjust it and those sorts of things. So I, I think that's a fantastic observation as well. And um, if you are just going from one vision to the next, you're going to wear your people out. You're really not going to accomplish anything and you're going to be frustrated. And so I I think I would add to that. um, If your vision is not implemented fully in the way that you've imagined it in your mind, you just need to understand that's probably the reality of how things are going to be. It's going to be close. Mm -hmm. So maybe hold hold the, the end target of the vision and the substance of the vision and the theme of the vision pretty closely, but the details of it, you probably need to, to handle with some grace because as a primary vision caster, you're probably not going to be the person to implement it fully and let others come ab- come on board with you and help you mature that and make it even better than, than uh, you have. I've seen guys, Jimbo, and you probably have too, that are really high capacity guys that can they have a lot of vision. They can make things happen. But they they tend to be the single source of inspiration and execution. And they can Mm -hmm. pull that off for a while. But what they eventually have is they don't have people who think about ministry and they don't have leaders. They have a network uh, and an army of doers. And typically they'll the person the persons who are implementing the vision They'll do it in a way or, or they'll make application of it in a way that differs from the primary vision leader. And if the vision leader is not mature enough, they can get really angry and blow those leaders out of the water. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen in so many evidence in so many stories how there becomes this tendency uh, to revolve everything so much around your personality, your passion, your energy. And whether we're talking on a grand scale like the ones that make the news, or we're talking about a 50-person church, it's just not healthy. And it doesn't it doesn't lead to healthy things for a church to build it all off of yourself. Uh, and so one of the other things I've seen, I, I'll just say this and I'll summarize and we'll close for this and we'll come back, do another episode on, on the other side of it. What if you score higher as a shepherd? We'll come back and do that. Um, but here's the other thing I'd say I see with that sometimes is sometimes visionaries will lead a church to make a major, major change. Uh, change buildings, change names, uh, things like that. And then they bounce pretty quick uh, right after that um, because they get bored and they don't know what to do next. Uh, And so uh, I I would say that ties a lot into what we've said several times. Just as a visionary, just make sure that you're not leading just off of your gut feelings. Uh, Don't trust your gut. Don't don't just trust your gut, right? Like we are under shepherds and, and we have to lead in the way that the Lord wants us to lead. And we can't just do what we feel like needs to be done. Um, make sure that you're hearing from others. Make sure you're ha- hearing from the Lord. Ha- pray to the Lord for wisdom and discernment. 
uh, to know what to do in those situations. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.